Good Saturday morning. It is Dave Rothenberg with you right here on 98.7 ESPN. It is the hockey show, and there's a lot to get into as the Islanders continue to uh, push their way towards a division title. The Devils, well, the postseason is not in the cards for New Jersey this year. And to be honest with you, it looks like it's not in the cards for the Rangers either after a uh, rough week for the Blue Shirts. Now, like we always enjoy doing, it's giveaway time. We're going to do it a couple times throughout the show. This is a big giveaway and necessitates a lot of our time. So before we get rolling here on the Hockey Show on a Saturday morning, want to let you know the Islanders are giving away a signed jersey. And you, and I'm looking directly at you, you have a chance to win it. You can enter right now, this very moment, through May the 2nd. And it's very simple. Just go to NewYorkIslanders.com slash jersey to give yourself an opportunity to win. So we'll run through the Islanders, we'll run through the Devils, we'll run through the Rangers and what these uh, teams had happened this past week. So certainly a lot to get into. And we'll start with the Islanders. Now, last Sunday, Islanders uh, were in Philly to take on the Flyers. And the Islanders haven't scored a lot of late. And that theme continued. This was scoreless through the first period. This was scoreless through the second period. And this was scoreless... Through the third period, we went to overtime, and that's when the Islanders finally lit the lamp. Nick Letty with the goal. It's his second of the season. Pajot and Eberle with the helpers on it, and the Islanders get out of Philly with a one nothing win. The shutout goes to Sorokin, stops all 25 shots thrown his way. So Islanders back to their winning ways last Sunday. Uh, they get the victory over the Flyers. And then it kind of set up this this grudge match. Listen, let's be frank. The Islanders and Rangers detest each other. They have forever. There's been a tremendous rivalry. You, you hear the phrase, you can throw the records out the window. Well, you really can, right? You can take the records and completely throw them out the window for the Islanders and the Rangers. But it didn't matter. Records out the window. Importance of the game magnified. Rangers desperate for it. Made no difference. You saw on Tuesday night at the Coliseum, the Islanders clearly were the better team. Islanders buzzing all first period long and then late stages of the first period. Josh Bailey lights the lamp to make it one nothing for the Islanders, his seventh of the season. You kind of, in watching that game, had the feeling of if the Rangers can just get to the end of the period, kind of refocus, re-energize, get a talking to from their head coach, maybe things change then. They couldn't one nothing uh, at the end of the first. We go to the second period. Brock Nelson makes it 2 nothing, his 16th of the season, and things were starting to spiral for the Rangers in what was a huge game for the blue shirt. So uh, Rangers fell behind 2-0 in that point. Uh, Bovillier scores to make it 3-0, his ninth of the year, and it feels like all hope is going to be lost for the Rangers. But late stages of the second period, Kevin Rooney lights the lamp. His seventh of the season makes it 3-1. And all of a sudden, because we saw it a- about 10 days prior at the Coliseum where the Islanders led 2-0 and Rangers had a couple of goals from defensemen and tied the game at two to lose it in overtime. So you think to yourself, maybe the Rangers find their way back into this game, an all-important game where both teams desperately needed it. Uh, but in the third period, it was all Islanders. Pajot with the goal, his 13th of the season, makes it 4-1. Uh, and then they just really throttled the Rangers from there. Bailey with his second of the game, eighth of the season, made it 5-1. And then to add uh, insult to injury, uh, Jordan Eberle with his 15th of the season, uh, making it 6-1. to And that was your final. Varlamov uh, didn't face a ton of shots in this one. Stopped 19 of the 20 thrown his way. And Bavillier, uh tallied four points 
for the Islanders. So it really, uh, I'm sure for the Islanders fan, was a great feel because it really took the steam out of the sails of the Rangers. It was an important win for the Islanders. So if, you, if you're an Islanders fan, this is not easy for me to say, but if you're an Islanders fan and you can beat the Rangers, that's a win. If you can really almost irreparably damage the Rangers' playoff chances, that's a bigger win. And if you buoy your playoff chances, that's as big as it gets. And the Islanders did all of those things on Tuesday night of this week. Now, Thursday, we're talking about best team in this division. Who's going to wind up with the one seed uh, in the Eastern Division? And the answer is, we still don't know, but the Capitals get the best of the Islanders. Another one of these all the way through scoreless games, but in the end, it doesn't go the Islanders' way. They're home to the Capitals on Thursday of this week and they lose it one nothing. We go all the way to the shootout, right? Samsonov with 24 stops on 24 shots. Varlamov, 25 stops on 25 shots. And then we go to the shootout. Uh, shootout, very interesting. So Eberle goes in. He doesn't score. Oshie goes in. He doesn't score. Bavillier walks in. And Bavillier uh, scores to give the Islanders a one nothing lead. Then Backstrom, in kind of, I guess, the bottom of the second inning, Ties it at 1-1. We go to the third, all tied up. Nelson doesn't score. Kuznetsov does. That's it. And the Capitals get out of Dodge with a 2-1 victory. So the Islanders last Sunday, a win over the Flyers against the Rangers, a throttling 6-1 win and a loss in the uh, shootout uh, to the Capitals by the score of 1-0. Here's the head coach of the Islanders, Barry Trotz, on the loss against Washington. It was tough. I thought the Samsonov played really good. Uh, we just, you know, if we could have got a lead, I think it would have, you know, give us a little spark, hopefully for the second. But uh, we know this is a good team we're playing, playing and uh, it's going to come in waves. I thought we won the first. I thought uh, we took a couple penalties and, and lost all our momentum. We had some hard minutes, obviously, number one power play. And then they had the second period. And in the third period, we spent a little bit too much time, but there wasn't a lot of action in terms of chances for them or chances for us. So there, there's aspects of our game that can be much better. And then obviously, I thought the three-on-three, three, we did a real good job, just couldn't uh, connect enough. And then uh, obviously, it goes down to a shootout. So, you know, that was a, that was a battle. Well, the Islanders had a, a possible six points on the table this week and got five out of a possible six points. So as frustrated as you are and as Barry Trotz probably was, uh, five out of six points is probably something you would sign on for just about every single week. More from Barry Trotz after the loss against Washington. You play the same team over and over and over again. I mean, these these little mini series during the regular season, during this COVID season. Are you kind of out of tricks playing the same team so much this year? Yeah, the, the tricks are limited. I think you're exactly right. I mean, you you see, you know, I, I look back at the at the pre scout games. We we go three usually early when we play them. We go three deep. Then you you look at your own games. All the tricks are there. Can you execute them or not? I don't know. But you're, you're right. There's there's we're going to look at the the tape today. See if we can make some adjustments. They're going to look at us and, and make some adjustments. And uh, you know we'll it'll, we'll go nose to nose. Uh, for, Hopefully on uh, on Saturday night, another good match. I mean, there's uh, both teams are, are are good hockey teams. That's all I can say, really. And we'll look to next week a little bit later during the course of the hockey show here on Saturday morning. Now, remember, uh, Tuesday against the Rangers, Varlamov was really, really good, stopping 19 of 20 shots. And uh, he was even better against the Capitals, 25 of 25, which makes it so strange. Here, here he is, the Islanders goalie, Varlamov, discussing getting a, a loss in a shutout. 
You know, I mean, it's all about winning for me. I'd rather win uh, 2-1, uh, you know, like 6-5 than uh, last like that because it's all about winning uh, for, for me, for this team. So, of course, like deep inside, uh, I'm just supporting about the game. It's good for the stats, you didn't give up any goals, but like after the game, you go back home, you know, like you, know, you lost the game, so... So they did lose the game, but the Islanders overall had a pretty good week. We'll look a little bit later in the show on the Islanders week that is on the horizon starting uh, later today. Now we turn our attention to the Devils, and we've discussed it last week with Steve Cangelosi, the voice of the Devils on MSG. The Devils are in next year mode, in two years down the road mode, but they're playing games um, to finish out the season. And the truth is a lot of young guys are playing for the Devils now, which gives them, you know, impetus to watch them play and scout them for the future. So there is reason to be interested in what's going on with the Devils right now. Uh, Let's recap the week that was for the Devils. So last Saturday, a week ago today, uh, at the Garden against the Rangers. Uh, Rangers jumped out to a 3-0 lead. Buchnevich scored his 17th of the year in the first period. Strom with a goal following that. Buchnevich with another goal uh, in the first, made it 3-0. Uh, we go to the second period, and the Rangers continue to pour it on. Artemi Panarin with his 16th of the season uh, to make it 4 nothing, And that's when the Devils woke up. Uh, in the third period, Michael McLeod uh, cut the deficit to 4-1. Uh, P.K. Subban cut it to 4-2, and Sharon Govich cut it to 4-3. All of a sudden, the Rangers are in a dogfight there. But the birthday boy with the hat trick late stages of the third period, uh, Buchnevich scores his 19th of the season, third of the game, and it was a birthday present extraordinaire as the Rangers go up 5-3, and then Kreider with a goal to make it 6-3, and that was it, Rangers. Um, it gets dicey late stages for the Rangers, but they win that one by the final of 6-3. to three. Now, uh, the next day, the same two teams were at it once again, and, and kind of a similar result, even more dicey for the Rangers in this one. Uh, first period, now this was in New Jersey, and the Devils taking on the Rangers again. First period, Kreider makes it one nothing. Then Kraft's off with his first ever goal in the NHL. Uh, Vitaly scores and makes it 2 nothing Rangers. So they're up 2 nothing into the first period, and you think it's going to be the same kind of thing. That was even... Hammered home more so when Lafreniere scored in the second period, his eighth of the season, to make it 3 nothing, And then all of a sudden, things started to change. Um, Devils got a goal to make it 3-1. Then Studenich made it 3-2. Heeshear scored it, and it's 3-3. And all of a sudden, you're in the third period. Rangers desperate for this win, and it's tied at 3 but Mika Zibanejad scores with three minutes to go, his 17th of the year to make it 4-3. Ryan Strom uh, makes it 5-3, and the Rangers in what was a nail-biter for really no reason. So you give the Devils a lot of credit in that one. Uh, Rangers win it by the score of 5-3. to three. Now, Tuesday night, the Devils were in Pittsburgh. They fell behind in this one 6 to nothing. 6-0 entering the third period, and that's when the Devils had an offensive explosion. Um, goal scores Heischer. Sharon Govich, Bastion, then Crosby makes it 7-3, and then the Devils rattle off three consecutive goals after that. They cut the lead to 7-6, six goals in the third period, but they could not get over the hump. They made it close, and you can't argue that they were competitive late stages, but the Devils did lose that game by the final of 7-6. to six. Uh, Not so optimistic this past Thursday. Uh, same two teams, same city, but Matt Tennyson with the only goal uh, for the Devils, and they lose that one by the score of 5-1. to one. And their head coach, not too thrilled after the game. Here is Lindy Ruff on Thursday night. Extremely frustrated. We're at a point where, you know, I'm asking him to work 
and, and do a lot of things and, and continue to work and continue to fight and continue to battle. Tonight, our hands and our execution didn't match that. Our, our, we were working, but we, we did some things that weren't very smart. And we're young, but, uh, you know, some of those plays weren't by our youngest players. So, you know, you got to weigh that, too, at the same time. And But it, it's an awfully disappointed group. Uh, from top down, uh, you know it's 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 on me to get them to the right place to to pick them up to get them ready to play the next game. Um, you know that falls on me. And, and I don't know that it's all about wins and losses. To be honest with you, about the Devils right now, I think you want to see the young guys. Certainly, you want to see what the future of them is going to be. Uh, and in addition to that, you want to see fight and grit from your young team. And you did see that a bunch this week, right? They did a couple times against the Rangers, fell behind big. In fact, three of the four losses for the Devils, they fell behind huge. And rattled their way all the way back, only to find themselves a little bit short in the end. But the game on Thursday was frustrating because they were never really in this one. And uh, Nico Hischer was asked after the game about giving up a goal so early in that one. It shouldn't happen. I think we knew what our job is, first shift, and uh, we didn't execute. And we did not want that to happen, and it did. So that was just not good enough. Yeah, not good enough, certainly. And, you know, the head coach not pleased with that even a little bit. Now, more from Heischer, because he is, he is the captain. He's the young guy that's kind of leading this team into the next generation. What can he do as captain of this club to get this team back on track? We're all in this together, I think. I, I can just try my best out there. Uh, that's all I can bring. Try to, to get the guys going, try to, try to hold them accountable. And uh, I try to be, feel sorry about ourselves. Like, we're the guys at the end that are out there and, like, I feel like my job is uh, playing the right way, leading the right way by playing the right way. I have to do that day in, day out. And you can hear kind of a lead by example kind of a guy. And Damon Severson discussing trying to stay positive in a very difficult time now for the Devils. We're trying to win. We're, we're all in this together. But there's going to be times where there's going to need to be a little bit of tough love as well. And uh, and trying to create some, you know, that camaraderie where, you know, we want to bring out the best in each other and doing it in, in the proper way. But uh, just like you said, positivity, it, it's been tough to come by right now. But uh, you got to try to be as, as positive with certain guys to, you know, keep their confidence up to continue to grow and uh, hopefully help this team get get better. All right, so that's where we are with two different teams in two completely different directions. Islanders and the trajectory is pointing up and Devils for the moment and the trajectory is pointing down. Now, the Rangers, it looks like they're not going to get to the postseason. Before we get to the Rangers, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Want to let you know also, uh, not that you had any hopes of the Devils going to the postseason, but even the slightest of hope is now out the window. The Devils officially eliminated from any chance of postseason contention. So we'll take a quick break. Uh, We'll hear from David Quinn. And we have a record broken in the NHL, which Cal Ripken would be proud of. And Gordy Howe as well. lot to do. It is the Hockey Show. Dave Rothenberg with you on a Saturday morning right here on 98.7 ESPN. Well, it is the Hockey Show. I'm Dave Rothenberg, and this is 98.7 ESPN. Uh... I mentioned it in the first segment, but I don't want to leave anybody out because if you're just rolling in on a Saturday morning and you say, you know what, I, I, I'd like an Islanders jersey. I'd like a, a team-signed Islanders jersey. Well, I mean, who am I to stand in the way of giving you that opportunity? So I'm going to mention it again. I might mention it twice more. I don't even know how many times I'm going to mention it this morning. Uh, Islanders are giving you a chance to win a signed jersey. You can enter right now through May the 2nd. So that's closing in, uh, and you can do it very simply on NewYorkIslanders.com slash jersey. 
Uh, all right, let's turn our attention to the Rangers, and then we'll get back to the Islanders, and then we'll kind of go uh, around the locals in our final segment. So the Rangers have been playing really good hockey, and there's kind of, or was, I should say, this excitement of they're gaining ground, and they're right there, and they see the Bruins um, in the not-so-distant, and all of a sudden things are turning around. And they beat the uh, the Devils a couple times last weekend, and, and they all of a sudden started to inch closer and closer and closer. And then things kind of fell very, very poorly for the Rangers. They were awful against the Islanders. I mean, there's no two ways about it. And then following that, a loss to the Flyers. And as we sit here on Saturday morning, I think you look at the Rangers and you say, they're not going to the postseason. Is the future bright? I think the future is incredibly bright. But is this a team that's going to go to the playoffs this year? I think you have to be honest with yourself and you have to say, probably not. I I don't envision how the Rangers can, unless the Rangers just go undefeated the rest of the way. And even if that's the case, I mean, if the Rangers run the table and get two points in every game they play and the opposition gets none, right? No overtime wins, no shootout wins. I still don't know realistically if the Rangers are going to go to the postseason, but it doesn't mean that the future is not very, very bright. But on Wednesday of this past week, DCR, it's me, it's Rick Pietro, it's Chris Canty. We spoke with the head coach of the Rangers, David Quinn, and, and you can hear in his answer. He is extremely disappointed in what his team showed on Tuesday night against the Islanders. It was really disappointing, and you know, obviously, uh, you know, the game didn't start the way we needed it to, and obviously, with Truba getting going down the way he did, it was very reminiscent of what happened in the bubble when uh, the very first shift against Carolina, we lost Jesper Fast, and you know, our team just didn't react the way we needed it to, and uh, you know, we played well against the Islanders lately, and felt good going in the game. It's just uh, one of those games that got away from us, and it was uh, it was it was really. Uh, it was a tough night for sure, and give them credit. They played really well, um, but uh, just uh, the game got away from us, and uh, we just didn't respond the way I thought we needed to uh, once we lost Truber, and uh, you could just feel it on the bench, and we've got to learn to handle moments like that a little bit better than we did, and you know, we're going to get another crack at him here uh, coming up, but we've got a huge one tonight against Philly. And uh, the game against Philly did not go well for the Rangers either. And that's really the rationale behind looking at this team right now and saying that it's going to be nearly impossible for the Rangers to get into the postseason. And I think, listen, there are times when the Rangers play the Bruins or the Islanders or, or, or the Penguins or the Capitals even, and they look good and they win those games. But I think of the of the seven teams in this division right now, the, the top four are clearly the top four. The Rangers are clearly five and hold their own in five, and then six and seven are in a completely different level altogether. So it, it's frustrating, but they sent out the letter a couple of years ago, and they told you this was a work in progress. And I guess you look at the Rangers from last year. I don't know if you consider it a, a birth in the playoffs or on the outside looking in or kind of almost into the postseason, but they did something that was impressive, and granted, losing to Carolina was not, but they, they got somewhere that I don't think a lot of people thought they could get to. And they do have a lot of youth, a ton of it, and they do have uh, a lot of talent on this team. So I think the future is very, very bright. That being said, I think it's fair to say, and this is not easy for me to say, the Islanders uh, are just a better team right now. Overall, the Islanders, and, and they should be. I mean, the Islanders are in a win-now mentality, and the Rangers are not in that same position. So uh, Coach Quinn, again, was on with us, DCR, 5 to 8 a.m. every Monday to Friday here on 98.7 ESPN, was asked point blank, is the Islanders brand of hockey something you can point to for your team in the future? 
Yeah, and it's something we've talked about. It's a lot we've talked about, about the balancing act of, you know, we've got guys that are offensively-minded players that have been productive and, you know, have had good careers. But, you know, when you play a certain team or you get into that this time of the season when it is a little bit tighter and, you know, you're playing playoff-type hockey, you know, it's, it's different hockey. It's just different hockey. And, you know, we've got to find that balance of allowing our skill to influence a game when we also play a little bit more, nor- a lot more north-south. It just has to be in our game, and it has to be uh, a balancing act of, of playing the right way and also allowing your skill to influence a game. And, you know, we've had some games where we've scored eight goals, nine goals, and sometimes that, is, as fun as it is and as great as it is, sometimes you can... You know, it can be a little bit detrimental when you get in the situations uh, that we had the other night against the Islanders. But that being said, a week ago, we played two really good games against the Islanders. We went down there and took three out of four points. So, you know, we have done it in the past, and we've just got to find a way to do it consistently through these last ten games. Uh, you, you know that the, the coach is frustrated, and you know the Rangers fan is frustrated. And, and I can see you look at standings in the other divisions and – and you say something to the effect of, you know, if we were in any other division right now, uh, if I'm a Rangers fan, if we're in any other division, we're a playoff team. But you're not. I mean, this is the hand that you're dealt, and this is what you have to deal with. Now, uh, another one of the young guys with the Rangers right now, uh, young defenseman, and you look at him and you're very excited about what Zach Jones, the potential of what he can be. And with Truba out of the lineup, I think the thought is Jones is going to fill in and, and get some time here down the stretch. And like we mentioned, they're probably not going to play the biggest games of the season because it doesn't look like they're going to get into the postseason. So David Quinn was asked uh, after the game the other night, how do you think Jones did in his NHL debut? I thought he got better and better as the game went on. You know, not an easy situation to be put in. And I thought he handled himself well. If you look at the youth on this team, I don't think any other club in the NHL matches it. Just they are so young and they're skilled and you have to figure the future is extremely bright. Now, I mentioned to Rick the other day on DCR, you know, what do the Rangers need to get better in the future? And he said, listen, I I think they need a little grit. You know, they, they had Brendan Lemieux. They moved on from him. They need to get tougher. They need to get more physical. But you can clearly tell uh, that they are a talented team. Now, something in the NHL. I mean, if you break any record that Gordie Howe has established, I think you've done very, very well for yourself. And Patrick Marlowe did that the other night. Gordie Howe had played in, listen to this, 1,767 consecutive games. And again, it's just a number, right? I just throw it out. It's, it's just a number. But if you're talking about 80 games a season, so over 10 years, you're t- if you're playing every game, you're talking about 800 games. I know it's 82, but just let's use round numbers to make it easier for me because I'm not the brightest guy in the world. So you're talking about 800 games over a 10-year span if you play in every game. So if you play in every single game for 20 years, you're looking at a little bit more than 1,600. And Gordie Howe's record was 1,767. We're talking about playing every single game for 22-plus Years and Patrick Marlowe, who's had a long storied career, finally the other night broke the record of one Gordie Howe. Here he is discussing the record and his really terrific career. I don't know how many phone calls or texts I've got. It's, uh, I think it might be taking me a week to reply to everybody, but it's been uh, overwhelmingly humbling, to say the least. Patty, what keeps you coming to the ring? I just love it. There's nothing else like it. So, 
I mean, it's it's really cool, you know, to, to have a guy that has accomplished probably about everything that he could possibly have wanted and to be asked the question, what keeps you coming to the rink? And you can hear, uh, you can hear him choke up and you can hear how emotional he is. I think it's kind of a beautiful moment. I, I, right there, I think, is what makes sports so attractive to so many different people. You know, when you sit and you think of, and the, the Iron Man record that we always remember through and through is Cal Ripken, right? I, I think Lou Gehrig was 2630. I, I think that Lou Gehrig was 2630. And you start to actually do the numbers. You're like, wait a minute, 160 games a year? We're talking about we're talking about not missing a game for like 20 years and just playing nonstop. It's the, it's the same in hockey. I mean, to play, and hockey is so physical and so aggressive and, for lack of a better word, so violent. And to play in, in game after game for 20-plus years and to play in, in 1,767 games and to surpass that number, it's really, I mean, you almost use the word miraculous for what Patrick Marlowe has been able to do, just as longevity and health has been during the course of his career. So hats off uh, to him. So that's kind of a little look at the Rangers, and it is disappointing for now, but you imagine the future will be very bright for this organization. It is very bright for the Islanders. They are playing terrific hockey. They are expected to go on a major run in the postseason, and they're going to have a brand-new arena um, not so far down the road. Tim Lewicki will join us. He is one of the spearheads, one of the figureheads as far as the Islanders in that new arena is concerned. He'll join us next right here on Saturday morning. It's the Hockey Show, and I'm Dave Rothenberg, and this is, of course, 98.7 ESPN. Good morning, hockey fans. Andy from Eric with this week's Hockey <laughs> Trivia. <laughs> Only one Islander goalie has recorded multiple 30-win seasons. Can you name this netminder? Good morning, hockey fans. Andy from Eric with this week's Hockey <laughs> Trivia. So which Islander goalie is the only one to have multiple 30-win seasons? If you said 98.7's own Rick DiPietro, you would be correct. And it's Saturday morning with you, Dave Rothenberg. It's the Hockey Show on 98.7 ESPN. The, the men, I mean, there are a lot of people that have helped um, get the UBS arena done for the Islanders. A, a new arena keeps them in New York. Obviously, people very excited about it. But I don't think anybody's done more than our next guest. Tim Lywicki joins us here on 98.7 ESPN. Took me about 15 minutes just to get the pronunciation of your name correct, Tim. So I appreciate a couple minutes here on a Saturday morning. Uh, Dave, I've been called far worse, so we're in good shape on the name, my friend. And I'm always happy to come on in the morning and talk about hockey. Yeah, listen, I'd love to have you on make this a staple of the show. So a lot of questions. Firstly, um, when are we going to launch this? Like, when do you envision the Islanders playing? Or even if there's going to be concerts when the world gets back to some semblance of normalcy, when do you think the UBS Arena will be open for business? Uh, that is uh, the question that wakes me up at about two every morning. And so um, we obviously had uh, a bit of delay like everything did in New York because we were shut down for two months last year due to the COVID. So we're trying to make that up and get back to where we want to get to. I think we, we're in, we, we work with Lou on a daily basis on scheduling for next year. And the goal is if, if the season – the rumor is the season's going to start in mid-October. We, we may have some road games, but clearly we understand somewhere in that time period 
is when we want to try to get the building open. So right now, if you ask me when, it's it's going to be sometime in late October, November. But it depends still on uh, crazy, believe it or not, that there are things being shipped in around the world and the shipping lanes and the ports are all backed up right now because of things we can't control. So there, there, there's a lot of things we still need to get nailed down. For the most part, 90% of what we need to build the arena is either in or on site. Uh, the crew is working on six days a week now. Um, I, I think we're going to be in good shape for sometime October, November. So realistically, Tim, the Islanders should be able to play, even if they start on the road like you just mentioned, probably the entirety of their of their home season in the UBS arena, right? Well, I, I think for Lou uh, and Barry, and especially for Scott Malkin and John Ledecky, we're all very much aware of the 30 years of the march through the desert, as I call it, and what the Islander fans have been through. And so if there's ever a fan base that deserves to make sure we have a perfect moment of truth for their new home, it would be the Islander fan base. So we're, we're focused on that. I clearly want to make sure for Lou and for the players that they get a chance to play the, the season in the new building. Um, I know they've been anticipating it and been patient as we get it built. And so I think we're all focused on doing it right but I also want to make sure at the end of the day that um, we, we're keeping uh, attention to the state, to what opening up at 100% capacity. So sanitization, sustainability, health and wellness, safety, all of those factors come into this. But I, if you, again, if I had to predict, we are focused on trying to make sure we get the full season in. Uh, preseason will will be all will be different, but certainly we'd like to be in a position where the regular season games are at UBS Arena and that we're at 100 percent capacity. That is great news. I'm sure the Islanders fan listening right now is is just jumping around and all excited. Tim Lywicki, who has really kind of spearheaded the charge for for getting uh, the UBS Arena done here for the Islanders and the fans and and the local community. Um, I've heard stories, and again, I've never been involved in anything, certainly, but stories of just how difficult it is to get a new building built. I mean, in, in normal times, when things are, are right and good and foundational and solid, how difficult is it during a pandemic to continue to get a building built as really, Tim, for lack of a better term, the entire world shut down for a considerable amount of time? Yeah, it's, it's uh, I like to tell people, I didn't get this in my um my training. I'm not sure they teach this in school. And so th- this is certainly a curve that all of us are adjusting to. And it's unlike anything that anyone's really, dealt, you know, it's been a hundred years since we had anything that's even close to this. So it has been a life lesson, but what, what I've learned is passion, enthusiasm, and commitment usually break down any wall. And the more contagious disease than COVID-19 is enthusiasm. So we have allowed our passion and enthusiasm to break down the walls here. Um, You know, it's not easy to go privatize a billion-dollar arena. It's not always easy to deal with state and local governments. And it certainly isn't easy to build anything in New York in normal time, less times with COVID. 
But the, the governor's been great. The state's been great with us. We were really happy with that partnership. Uh, our contractor and our project management company, Sterling, was the project manager. Hunt's the general contractor. They've been phenomenal. The men and women on site have been emotional and passionate about this, so they bought into it. They're really proud of what they're building there. Uh, I think Islander fans and music fans throughout New York, because it's going to be a phenomenal music venue, one of the top ten music venues in the country, people are going to walk into this building and just be shocked at how beautiful it is, uh, how, from a technology standpoint, how driven it is. And, yes, we've made a bunch of adjustments in the last 365 days where it's safe and very driven by health and wellness. It's terrific news. It really, the fact that this is getting done during a pandemic is just a, a testament to you and your entire team. So congratulations on that for you guys. Um, what, what does it mean for the community? I mean, we know this is going to be right next to Belmont Park and, and right in an area of kind of Long Island, Queens. What, what, is this, what does this mean for the community right around there? Well, I think three things. One, Islander fans, again, They've gone longer than any fan base in the National Hockey League without a arena, and they've been through it. And so it's it's a huge compliment back to them that we finally get them their own home, and we make it the best hockey rink in New York. And that's no disrespect to the other rinks, but th- this one is a billion dollars. Put it this way: last hockey rink built in the National Hockey League was uh, in Vegas, and so if you look at that arena and look at T-Mobile, they spent $375 million. We're spending three times that amount of money on this, and I'm praying it's not just because we're stupid or bad businessmen. You'll see where the money was spent, and the Islander fans will be proud of the building. We finally got them. I think the music fans will be really shocked. There's 10 million people that are closer to this building than any other building in the marketplace for music. So we're really focused on that. So a private dressing room for the artist, eight loading docks, access directly to the back of house, uh, a lower, a, a larger lower bowl than any building in the marketplace, great acoustics for music. So we've been really driven by that. And then the third impact is just jobs. We, were, we created 10,000 construction, construction jobs and a thousand jobs, new jobs created to operate the building. At a time when our economy needs a shot, we just gave it the largest single private investment in the last few years in New York for UBS Arena. I would think, and, and again, this is certainly not my wheelhouse, but I, I would think you mentioned an arena built in Vegas was 375 and it clearly a state-of-the-art arena. It's got to be more expensive in New York, right? I mean, if you're just even apples to apples, I would think getting the same project done in New York has to be considerably more expensive than anywhere else in the country. Well, I, unfortunately, I have the comparable. So I'm doing 10 of these arenas around the world. So we're building one in uh, Manchester. We have our Seattle uh, Climate Pledge Arena with a Kraken. Uh, we have one down in Austin, uh, Moody Center. So we were building them all over the place. You win. (laughs) You are correct. It has officially been named. It's just, it's more expensive because there's more projects, more competition for subcontractors, uh, more competition for the skilled trade labor that we need. Uh, Just the the nature of the bill. We had to build our own electrical power plant. We had to build our own water lines. We had to build our own parking lot. So we we have 5,500 parking spaces we built. Good news. We have 5,500 parking spaces, which is fantastic compared to where we've been. 
But the bad news is you got to build. We spent $150 million on just infrastructure, $50 million of that on the new Long Island Railroad Station. And so it costs more here, but the rewards are more. And for, for my company and my partnership with Scout Malkin and John Ledecky, we know this is the most important market in the world. It is unique to find a team that didn't have a home and take advantage of that opportunity. And we hit the Islanders with, with Lou and Barry doing what they're doing. We hit them at the perfect time because I would guess they probably had the best winning record in sports in New York in the last three years. So, Tim, let me ask you this. Um, you mentioned the parking spots and how much money has been put into that and the, the new um, stations train-wise to be able to get to the arena. Um, how easy is it going to be? I mean, is there going to be a, a ton of uh, public transportation to get to this thing if people do not want to drive there? Um, y- yes and no. So I, I'm more cautious about trying not to overcommit because it's New York, and so nothing's ever easy on transportation. But we, we do have a new light rail station uh, with Long Island Railroad at, at the Elmont, um, that, that's our station. So that, that it's a 10-minute walk from that station to UBS Arena. It, it, we're going to build a covered walkway for a lot of that walk. Um, we're we're going to have pregames and postgames as, as you walk to the arena so that we, we make it more enjoyable. Um, so I, we, we know that we're doing a lot of things right, but it's – there's traffic in that part of the world, too. So we know the Cross Parkway is, you know, Hempstead and, and uh, the Parkway are at, at a weeknight at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock, always a challenge. So we're, we're thinking about that. We, we, the, the, the train station and the Long Island Railroad we will probably have most of the service when we open, but not full service when we open because they have other work they have to do on the line to get us uh, back and forth to everywhere we want to go without having to go through uh, Jamaica and doing connections there. So it'll, if people are patient, I think what they'll find is within a year after we open, we'll have probably as good a connection on Long Island Railroad as you want. But we, they have some work to do on the system. The station will be done, but I think we, we need some work on the rest of the line. Uh, clearly on parking, we're trying to think through not only how we get people in and out, that's why we're spending $150 million on the infrastructure, but we're working on Uber and Lyft and the connections there. So there, there will be some work to do, but I think we're working on it, spending a lot of money on it, and we certainly think that for the Islander fans, this will be a lot easier to get to than what they've been dealing with over the past five or so years. Uh, what's the capacity for, for the Islanders games going to be? It's including standing room and, and the excess capacity in some of our uh, clubs. Uh, we'll get to about 17,500. Sounds pretty good. I'm sure the Islanders... Is, is I think that's perfect. I, I, by the way, the Climate Pledge Arena for the Kraken is about 17,300. I kind of like these tighter, more intimate buildings. I like the people sitting on top of the ice. You know, I grew up with the Blues and the Checker Dome where you kind of looked up and everyone was hanging on you. And so you'll see it's deep, it's tight. The upper bowl is is a very small upper bowl. Uh, we have the largest lower bowl in the marketplace. So everyone's close to the ice, close to the benches, uh, 
The sight lines are phenomenal. No obstructive seats whatsoever. Tight. Uh, it's, it's vertical. And it's loud. And I think that's – we wanted a bigger arena the NASA Coliseum, but we wanted to be as loud, and we wanted it to make sure it was the Islanders' home. I'm, I'm sure the Islanders fan is just salivating listening to this conversation. Uh, I want to let you run. I just well, I want one more. Are you guys like the first family of hockey right now? I was doing a little bit of, of recognizance work, <laughs> a little bit of research, and your, your younger brother is the president of the, uh, of the Seattle Kraken, right? Yep. Yeah, so – Look, we've been blessed. I've, I've had the good fortune of being part of the Lakers championship run when um, I was running AEG. Uh, but I'm really proud of hockey. I, I won a Stanley Cup with the Kings in 2012. I helped uh, start the Colorado Avalanche, uh, which was fantastic. Uh, obviously, we're partners with the Kraken in Seattle, partners with Scott John and the crew here with the Islanders. Uh, I've grown up in the business with Commissioner Bettman. Well, we've been friends and partners um, for his entire stay at the NHL. Uh, we built the arenas that ultimately were doing international games in places like London and Berlin for the NHL. We're building the arena in Milan for the Winter Olympics in 2026, which will include hockey. So hockey's in our blood. Hockey is a passion for us. And we, we like to make sure that we're trying to create the next facilities for the next generation on the experience, on technology, and on atmosphere. And I think these two buildings, I have to say, they're, you know, people say, which one's your favorite? And I'm like, uh, whichever one happens to be having an event that night is my favorite. But the UBS Arena and Climate Pledge Arena, they're going to change sports and the NHL forever. There is not only just an amazing environment within the bowl in the arena. The technology we're putting into these buildings is incredible. And I think for the Islander base, it's a, a moment well due, a moment well earned to a really great, passionate fan base that's been through a lot. And for the Kraken fan base, I mean, they have 100,000 people on the waiting list for season tickets. It's incredible, the passion. So this is to the compliment and credit of the commissioner. We're about to go through one of the best growth phases ever with ESPN as our broadcast partner again. Congrats with these two new buildings that are going to be world class and the most money ever spent on hockey buildings ever in the history of the league are these next two buildings. So this is a great time to be a fan of the Islanders, to be a fan of the NHL and to be a fan of hockey because I think we're about to have some amazing steps forward for the sport and for the players in the game. Well, I think everybody listening would uh, sign on for that, all, all the local fans here of the NHL. Tim, listen, thank you so much. Congratulations on a, a job well done. I hope it meets and exceeds all your wildest expectations, and we appreciate a couple minutes here. And No problem, Dave. Next time we'll do this from the building. I'll take you on a tour, and, and we'll talk to everyone from the building so you can give them a personal bird's-eye view. All right, I'm going to take you up on that. Tim, I appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Thanks so much. Cheers.
Thanks. All right. Bye, Dave. Thank you so much, Tim. That's Tim Liewicki, who's really kind of um, run point on getting the new UBS arena built for the Islanders right on that Queens-Nassau border. So uh, we really, really appreciate a couple minutes here on a Saturday morning. Quick break. When we return on the hockey show, we'll look to the upcoming week for the three local teams. We'll do that next on Saturday morning right here on 98.7 ESPN. Well, you might as well. It is Dave Rothenberg with you on 98.7 ESPN on a beautiful Saturday morning across the tri-state. Um, I want to give you another opportunity here. Islanders fans are all excited. Tim Liewicki joins us and, and gets you to just to salivate about the, the UBS arena and how exciting things are going to be there and an intimate 17,500 fans and you'll be able to take transportation there or park comfortably uh, at the new arena. Well, you know what? You could go to that arena in a beautiful signed Islanders jersey. The Islanders are, are giving you a chance to win a signed jersey. You can enter right now through May the 2nd on NewYorkIslanders.com slash jersey. Uh, okay, so let's look ahead for the three locals. Obviously, uh, probably most in play for the Islanders, followed by the Rangers, followed by the Devils, who are already mathematically eliminated from any chance at the postseason. We start... With the Rangers tomorrow evening at the Garden, 5.30 start right here on 98.7 ESPN. And the opponent in that one, uh, the Buffalo Sabres, who, quite frankly, have played a little better hockey as of late. Uh, That's Sunday, tomorrow. And then Tuesday at 6.30, you can catch the game again on 98.7 ESPN. It's the same opponent, uh, the Buffalo Sabres, in the same venue Madison Square Garden. Uh, I don't know if the Rangers are going to go to the postseason or not, but I, I'd almost guarantee you they play a better game this Thursday against the Islanders than they did last Tuesday. You heard David Quinn how angry and frustrated and, and really demonstrative he was about that loss. So this Thursday at the Garden, the Islanders pay a visit. You can catch the game on 98.7 ESPN in the uh the first uh, coverage for that one is at 6.30. So, again, the Rangers three games this week all at home. They don't have to travel even a little bit. Tomorrow, Sabres, Tuesday, Sabres, Thursday, Islanders all at the Garden. As far as the Islanders are concerned, uh, tonight another a monster game against the Washington Capitals. We talk about winning this division. This is a huge one. It's at the Coliseum against the Caps. You can catch it at 6.30 this evening right here on 98.7 ESPN. Then Islanders off Sunday and Monday back in action on Tuesday this time in Washington. So we heard earlier today from Barry Trotz about just playing the same team over and over and over and, and, and tricks or lack thereof at this point. You know, This is almost like a series. It's almost like a postseason series. It's kind of unprecedented to take on the same team time after time after time uh, in the NHL in the regular season. But on Tuesday of this week, uh, same two teams, Islanders, different venue at Washington, 630 on 10.50 a.m. And then, like we mentioned, Thursday, Islanders visit the Rangers at the Garden. Uh, that's a 6.30 start, and you catch that one, the Islanders broadcast, on 10.50 a.m. 
as far as the Devils are concerned today, a little bit uh, later this afternoon or or today, 1230 uh, Devils at Pittsburgh. And we know that they've uh, played the Penguins the last couple of games. So that makes it three in a row. They've lost the first two uh, against the Pens by the score of seven, six and five. One. We'll see if the Devils can do a little bit better in that one. Uh, then tomorrow, uh, the Devils stay in Pennsylvania. They travel to take on the Flyers six o'clock. Uh, drop of the puck in that game. Then Tuesday, uh, same two teams, different venues, 7 o'clock against the Flyers in Jersey. And then Thursday, it's the very same, the Devils and the Flyers once again. So quick recap of what the Devils have uh, at Pittsburgh later today. That's 1230. Tomorrow at Philadelphia, 6 o'clock. And then Tuesday against Philadelphia at home at 7 o'clock. And Thursday against Philadelphia at home also at seven o'clock. So there you have it. I mean, a jam packed hockey show here on 98.7 ESPN. Want to send a couple thanks out there. Andy from America, our coordinating producer. Thank you. As always, Anthony Pusick. At this point, I almost believe Anthony doesn't even care for me anymore with the amount of hoops I make him jump through, but I appreciate him and thank you so much as always. And of course, Ray Dinahan as well. Joe Wiz is next. I'm back with you at nine o'clock. This is Dave Rothberg, and this has been the Hockey Show right here on 98.7 ESPN.